Psalms 127. We have been in our series dealing with a house divided. A house divided cannot stand. Looking at verses that talk about a house, whether it's a house built on a rock or a house built on a sand or a kingdom that uh, is against itself, cannot stand or is divided, or a house. A house cannot be built unless God is involved, and we're going to read our verse. Now, we've read this before, but we want to read a little bit more. We want to read the whole chapter here. There's only five verses, and uh, we'll have some places that we'll go to this evening. Uh, But I want to uh, deal with the, the title called The Guidance of a Godly Home. It indeed takes guidance, godly guidance for a Christian home. And when you lay these principles out, a lot of times people will view this or view what is said or taught or preached that it is a golden bullet or catch-all or a special type recipe that never fails. Here's what, here's what you, we miss or that individual will miss in thinking about Uh, children about homes is you're dealing with people who have a will we all have wills children have wills and as they grow up that's one of the factors that you're not able to to totally take control of unless you're going to be abusive or something diabolical but uh, humans have wills children have wills now you can set that will up to hopefully to love God, to be pleasing towards God, and to instruct and to guide and shape them the best you can. But uh, a lot of times you get into this field and you'll have two different opposite viewpoints. And I'm simply saying, look, the Bible has the best, the best thoughts, the best principles, the best teaching on uh, raising a, a, a home, raising children, and having a home and having relationships. With that, the only thing that's perfect is two things, God uh, and his word. Uh, as far as humans and our ability, uh, we definitely lack. We're lacking in that area. And so we want to be mindful of that. You'll get on this and somebody have a sarcastic response. Well, you just think the child, if you do everything the Bible says, it's going to be perfect. That's not so. And that's not what the Bible lays claim to. And so we want to be mindful of that. But it is definitely a commandment given to, to parents to raise their children and to have guidance in a home. If, if it's a Christian home. That, that's where it goes. If you don't have a Christian home, that's another matter, total another matter. But if you as a Christian say, make the claim and hold the claim to, I'm a Christian, we had a Christian home, uh, then it should be as best of your ability to be done in accordance to God's word. And uh, so there's not a perfect parent, there's not a perfect child. There is a perfect book and there is a perfect God. And so we be mindful of that. We, I do believe in, and if you have a strong marriage, you have a strong home, if you have a strong home, you'll have a strong church. Uh, and the reverse goes backwards. If you have a weak church, you have a weak family. If you have a weak family, more than likely you have a weak relationship uh, with a husband and wife and so on and so forth. And so this is what we're trying to shore up to shed light on and to learn from God's word. So the guidance of a godly home, the guidance of a godly home. Let's read and uh, we will pray and then uh, look at some points we have here in regards to uh, a godly guidance in a home. The Bible says in Psalms 127 in verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, 
They labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to set up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. But they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Uh, our Heavenly Father, we bow before you uh, tonight. And Father, we ask that you be with the message and be with our guidance through Scripture. Give us light. And Father, I pray that you would be with the families that, that are here and representative of here at Hope Baptist Church. And I pray that uh, you would put a hedge about the families, put a hedge about the marriage. And Father, I pray that we would be tentative and uh, be able to be filled with uh, biblical instruction to be better parents, to be better uh, wives or husbands, and Father, better leaders uh, of our homes. And Father, I pray that you would give us guidance, and Father, that you would uh, encourage us to do better and to do more for you. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for watching over us. And again, to ask that you would be with us this evening. We ask all this in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, let me say this. God, God has ordained our homes. We've seen that through scripture. You see it early on in Genesis. And uh, he has ordained our homes to be safe and secure, uh, not only for uh, the husband and wife, but especially for the children or for that family. And a, a guarded house in which uh, it should be, it should be a guarded house, and it should be to that so it can be a, a place of protection and nourishment for, for the child or for the children. And God has given us the blueprint of this, the principles, the format, if you please, of this in his word. Uh, we are to shape, I, I believe this is what scripture, as we look at some verses here tonight, indicate and teach. We are to shape our children's hearts, not only their hearts, but their lives and their consciences carefully and biblically. Not just carnally, not just in a sense of the world's view, but biblically. There should be a biblical basis for how you instruct or teach your child. You say, well, I don't know those. That is okay. That, just, that starts you out of premise where you're at and where you need to move from. You don't, what nobody, none of us tonight want to do is remain in the place we're at now. And whether you're a good parent and probably are, or whether you're a poor parent and you need help or you need to learn, that is okay. Either way, you need to start from the premise of where you're at and move forward with, with instruction. So hopefully tonight the verses or, or, or thought from the Word of God uh, will, will help or be a blessing to you. I, I want to say I got three points. Normally I have three points. I want to deal with these three points and we're going to look at some verses. Some of them we've looked at already, but then I want to deal or give, give you something that uh, I've had or known uh, a little bit. It's not that I'm, uh, I am by no means an authority on any of this. I don't think any of us claim to be, but certainly not me. I enjoy my family. I believe I'm blessed. I, I have a great family, but nonetheless, there'll be something easily that I'll do probably wrong, if not multiple times a day, as a parent or a husband or a servant of God. I don't brag in that. I'm just saying, hey, I know who I really am. And uh, so we want to learn, though. I have a willingness to want to learn and be better at what God or the position God ha has given me or blessed me with. 
That's my, my heartfelt. And so uh, there are four types, four basic types of parents or parenting. And uh, you can view them, give them to you. There's probably more than four, but kind of narrow it down to four. And we'll just touch on them tonight. We might develop them a little bit later on, but I'll give them to you and some verses that go along with those. But nonetheless, let me give you the main points. I want to deal number one in this guidance of a godly home. There's first of all is number one, the require, they require patience. A home or guidance is going to require patience from a parent. You're going to need patience. You say, well, I'm out. Well, I would be in that field too. I'm out. Uh, there's a lot of areas that it might seem that I have patience in, but there's a lot of areas that I do not have patience in. And I'm reminded of that from time to time. If you want to know those areas, talk to my wife, my sweet wife. She will let you know. But patience is one of those things that normally lacks, will be lacking in really of all of us, just in certain areas. But when it comes to the home, when it comes to rearing children uh, or dealing with relationships, and, and uh, you're going to need some patience. Say, well, I don't have any. I've never exhibited that. That would be an area that, that can be worked on. Let me give you some Bible and, and talk about a word that the Bible uses. And I believe I have my, my Bible marked, Deuteronomy. I'm going to run you back over to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we'll look at some verses again. We've used these. And these are this is a very powerful point early in the Bible that deals with, you know, our... Uh, our guidance, our requirements as, as parents. And I told you that this series would kind of move into child-rearing uh, children, and so this is kind of where we're landing tonight. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, and if you look, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to read verse 7. That's the one that I want to hone in because there's a word here that goes along with this patience, having patience. <clears throat> I know some people in my life that have had a lot of patience, have had patience with me. My first, uh, number one, God has had a lot of patience with me in my life. And I'm so thankful that uh, God is a very patient God. Not only is he patient, he's very merciful and very gracious. I have enjoyed those blessings and I'm not deserving of any of those. But God, when I think of God, if somebody said, how would you describe God? Number one, lovingly, a loving God, but he would be very patient God. And there, there's been times if I was the judge and jury of my own self and my own actions or inactions, uh, I would not have the patience that God has by no means. God has. He's a patient God. But not only God, but my parents uh, many times were very patient with me in different areas, whether learning or instruction uh, or attitudes or whatever have you, my parents were patient. Now, there were times when uh, that didn't, didn't look like patience at, <laughs> at all. It wasn't, patience might not have been in that equation, some that I can remember. It was an immediate response, but I'm assure you uh, that uh, normally their character was that they were patient. I, I, people say, well, man, your dad seems to be a very stern or very edged type person, you know, very authoritative. Indeed he was, uh, but he, he never was the one to give or give you a disciplinary action without you knowing exactly what it was for, not before, moments before. He would already warn you, like, let's say I remember one in, in case in hand, and I'll draw it out, and this illustration was taking out the trash. One of my jobs uh, in my, was to take out the trash, and uh, what would happen? 
happen is Jilly would start with my mother saying the trash needs to be taken out. Jeremiah, the trash needs to be taken out. Would you take it out? Yes, I'll take it out. I'm doing something, doing whatever. I don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't paying attention. I know that. Well, then the next thing is dad gets involved. Say, hey, uh, you need to take out the trash. Take out the trash. Don't forget. Well, um, I forgot, you know, and I'm talking maybe an hour or so, all in a day. And then the second warning from dad would come and say, now look, mom's told you, I've told you, this, this is the second time I'm telling you, you need to take out the trash. Now, if you don't take out the trash, I'm going to get on you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be upset. It's like, okay. Well, about that time, I'm moving to get, go take out the trash. But there's been times when I have pushed it a little bit further, not pushing it to push it, just forgot. And then dad's taking out the trash. He's just taking it out. And he takes the trash out, comes back in, and says, we need to talk. Like, woo, I just can tell that tone. So now, look, I've warned you three times. Mom's warned you. I don't want this to happen again. Don't let this happen again. You know, he's going to give you that stern dadly, okay, okay, okay. Generally, one or two of those in your life, you're good to go. I don't think I've ever been really disciplined for not taking out the trash, but man, I'll never forget those moments when he had to tell me. But there was patience involved in that discipline or that reprimand that was given. He said, I figured your dad would just whip you. I have never remember getting a spanking from either parents without me knowing fully why I was getting the spanking or the discipline or being told I couldn't do something. So uh, my parents, secondly, were very patient in a lot of areas. And uh, some things, now as a parent, you can't be into patience. It needs to be dealt with immediately. And so there, as the parent begins to administer wisdom in that area, whatever the case may be, but it's going to require, as parents, to have some patience. Let me say this, in a relationship, it, it needs patience as well. Um, it might be patience with ignorance. It might be patience with stupidity. I'm going to use that word. <laughs> it might be patience in a lot of areas. But be mindful how much change you spend with your wife or your husband when it comes to that. You might spend all the change you have, that's what I call it, and there's no more change to be spent, and you need to mind your manners and be careful of the relationship that you have or that you want to keep. <laughs> all right, you can, you can wear the, the, the cartilage out in a relationship very carefully by not paying attention or having patience or taking advantage uh, of your of your wife or your husband. Now, notice here. I'm going to get back on children, and I want to read Deuteronomy. Uh, I don't know if I read it yet. I did not. I got the rambling on. Look at verse seven with me, and he states this. Uh, number one, let's back up and grab a little context. Verse six: In these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And we kind of touched on that in our last service, that it has to start in the heart. In verse 7, and thou shalt teach them, what's it say there, diligently unto thy children. It doesn't mean to beat it into them. It doesn't mean to persuade them. It doesn't mean to trick them. But it means to, it means to diligently unto the children. You ever work with a young animal, maybe a young, uh, a young puppy, and you, you want that puppy to begin to, to learn some things right off the bat. As, as, as you see it coming along, you want, to, you want to be able to teach it to come or to set or teach it simple commands, but you want to work with it. And it's going to take some diligence, and it's going to take some patience. And a lot of times, sometimes it depends on the intelligence of the animal, but nonetheless, it's the same for humans and children. I'm a marvel that a lot of times we as, as 
Christians will spend more time doing that, maybe with an animal or something else or someone else, rather than our own, our own children or our own spouse. We kind of just drop the ball. Well, we just take advantage of that relationship. I don't have no patience. I'm not going to have diligence. And we lack diligence in this patience that we need. Uh, it's going to require it's going to require patience. And here he says, and thou shalt, verse 7, teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou, uh, when thou settest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. He begins to tell you when, where, and how. And so we see it's going to take some diligence, all right? A child needs to learn how to make choices, that's what you're going to teach the child. And at first, they need to learn how to do this within the parameters set by authority. If there's no parameters, there's no authority established, that child is going to walk all over you and your personality. And it will be the parent you won't be the parent. Yeah, if you watch these uh, animal shows, I keep re- thinking of these animal shows where they got this, ch- this, this, this dog that's disobedient. Uh, they got this uh, uh, animal that's been let go, and it, it, man, it just it runs the roost. It's the boss of the house. And then it takes an expert to come in, and they begin to change habits, bad habits, or change things that they've let the dog do. And so generally, what gets trained is not the animal it's the parent, it's the person that has the animal. It's the same thing sometimes in a home. People say, well, it's the child, it's the child. It's like, no, you've been teaching them a certain way, very diligently. Might not have been a good way, but this is what it's produced. And so here, what we're saying, uh, under this patience and this requirement of a guidance, is a, a, a child young needs to know parameters set by authority. That doesn't mean mean, and, but just means you need some parameters. Uh, let me deal with my first type of parent. I'm looking at the clock here. The first type of parent out of the four we're going to just briefly bring up is the first one is called the neglectful parent. A neglectful parent. A neglectful parent is, is uh, under the heading of low in love, and low in control. That's a neglectful parent. It's a parent who, when you were to, to define them, uh, they would be low in love for the child, and they would be low in control. You see that a lot in America. And uh, it's sad to say, I want to give you a verse to help define this type. Now, we were in Psalms, uh, Psalms 127 is where we started. We went to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, I want to go to Proverbs and give you a verse for this type of parenting. Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. So we're looking at this neglectful parent. And look at verse, uh, verse 15, Proverbs chapter 29. Notice the description of what actually takes place. I love these little verses in Proverbs. They're not long, but they're packed full of, of truths. I, I loved, by the way, just a sidebar, I loved our sweetheart's banquet. And brother uh, Jim Britton spoke in Proverbs. And he just used one little verse in a phrase. And he was on a, pers- a, scorn- a scorner. And it was amazing how you can draw so much out of these little verses. Let's look at verse 15 here. And it says here, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. 
And so here you say, well, what is that? It's speaking of a, of a parent who is in the category of a, being neglectful. And a neglectful person is low in love and low in control. And so Proverbs 29 and verse 15 speaks of this. The rod and reproof give wisdom. The Bible states this. It's very important. It's up to the parent. It's up to uh, how, that, how that's administered. Sometimes it's by words. Sometimes it's by an action. But it should be done with love, always with love. Gently, bad parenting and bad disciplinary is always done out of anger. That's not good because you're not only doing something wrong against the child, but you're training that child how to administer something wrong or inadequate. You say, it's so easy to do. It's easy to do, but you shouldn't be doing it. It's wrong. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that against what the Bible's saying. I'm just saying it needs to be ministered correctly. And you say, well, what's our example? How would, look at God, our Heavenly Father. Generally, when he gets on you and I, it's remitical. It's to draw us back to him, not to sin you or to have hate towards God. All right? Or he's never abusive towards us. He's a great Heavenly Father. Amen? But uh, that is our example. So here, when you read this in verse 15, it's in the context of doing something right the rod and reproof give wisdom but a child left to himself that's a child that lacks reproof lacks maybe correction he's going to lack wisdom but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame and so this is a neglectful parent all right so let's get we said number one this uh, guidance, it requires, it requires patience, but it requires shaping. And I want to deal with this. We're there in, uh, let's see, we're in Proverbs 29. Back up a little bit to Proverbs chapter 4. I think we can make some points here. Go back to chapter 4. You say, boy, I sure missed the ball with my parents, well, or with my children. Well, okay, you have grandchildren, you, that's, another, that's another restart. Some of you watch and, and, and babysit and take care of grandchildren. That's a good, a good start there. They would have or need good parenting, all right, good parenting skills. So we're saying it requires patience. That's very hard. It's easy to say. It's hard to enact that patience. And then it's going to require shaping. Let me deal with this and what the Bible has to say. Proverbs chapter 4, notice with me in the first verse, Scripture says this. It says here... Ye children, the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. This speaks of shaping or somebody that's willing to listen. I'm instantly reminded of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 where the Bible warns the father not to provoke the child to wrath or unto wrath. And so it's important. There's a parameter. Some children you might be able to go a little bit further with and they need a little stronger hand. The next child, I mean, I've got six of them and they're everyone distinctly different. And if you have more than one child, you'll know that. They're just, they're different. Uh, they're unique. God's designed them that way. But you can't, sometimes you minister to one one way. The other one, you're going to have to do it a little bit different. If you want to use wisdom and instruction. But here the Bible is saying, here, ye children, the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. You want your child to listen to what you have to say. Here it's the father, but the father and mother's involved in this. Then you want to, you want to make sure you carefully instruct your child. So they're attentive to what you're saying. Uh, there will be times in, in, in my, my home where I'll have a fatherly voice. Now, look, listen, I want you to be serious. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. And then there will be a serious moment. 
Uh, other times, we, there will be a, there'll be a lot of lighthearted. I, I'm a light, I like to be a lighthearted person, believe it or not. Uh, and so uh, it, we always have fun. We always enjoy and have fun. I think it's very important in a home. And so, uh, but here he's saying, look, if you want your ear of your child, it's going to require, you're going to have to go about it in a right manner. Think of, I begin, I'm going to use Christ. God is able to get our attention. He knows how to get our attention. And a lot of times it's not in a mean, nasty way. It's not in a way to where I think, I'm afraid to go to God. No, you never really have that thought. If you do, hopefully you don't tonight. But if you have that in your heart, that God's not a meanie up in heaven with a baseball bat waiting to pounce on you. You're his child so your reflection of him, and so he wants you to be a good, a good child, and so he'll draw you, he'll, he'll work with you until he gets you where you need to be. Sometimes God's very patient, amen? He's very patient. And so that's how we need to be as parents. You say, man, that all sounds good. That sound, it's very easy to say. <laughs> Yeah, it's another thing Monday morning when you're having a bad day and you got some, you know, the children around you and they're off in their field playing. You're like, man, this is not working out. I love it. My wife said, we're going to, everybody's going to go to school. So give you some quiet time to, to study and to pray. Man, I love those moments. Coffee, make me some coffee. Get my books out. Get set it down and to begin to pray. God, I need help for next week and this and that. And many, that's nice. But when you got the children all there and they're running off doing this, doing that, Grand Central Station, uh, you, you don't know whether you're up or down. And so here it takes patience and it takes some shaping. All right, let's deal with the second type of parent. We said a neglectful parent is low in love and low in control. Now I'm going to have you, we're in Proverbs 4, we're making our point there. I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 6 and we'll go right back to Proverbs chapter 4 here in a moment. But look at Proverbs chapter 6 and I'm going to give you the second type of parent. And this is the permissive parent the permissive parent. So we have the neglectful parent. Now we have the permissive parent. The permissive parent is high in love and low in control. So they'll have love. The child, if he's going to give you a definition of this parent, is like, yeah, they let me do whatever I want, and there's no control. And you've seen this a lot. Oh, they have a great relationship with my kids. Yeah, as long as you let them do whatever they want. So this is called a permissive parent. Uh, permissive parent, high in love, low in control. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 6. And notice with me verse 20. And we'll read a couple verses here. We'll start in verse 20. And he's saying this, Proverbs 6 verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Boy, he's, he's, given a, he's given a warning here and an admonition. Then he says in verse 21, bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. Uh, and so we read on, look at verse 22, when thou goest, it shall lead thee, and when thou sleepest, it shall keep thee, and when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. Now watch, verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp. A lot of times, children do not look at commandments or rules or guidelines as, as being good. They look at it as being abrasive or hurtful or just hemming you in. I, we don't, I do not teach that to my children. A commandment, a law, or, or authority is a hedge of protection. And that protection, you always, protection's a good thing. I, I think of a protection around maybe uh, uh, a flock of, of sheep, 
and you have a protection from a lion or for a wolf or whatever have you on the outside of that, that hedge of thorns or that protection is what is here. It's a commandment. It's an instruction. And this is, this is a type of what we should represent here. And he's saying this in verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp. That's what commandments are. They shed light and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Listen here. If we as parents don't instruct or teach our children or shape our children, as our point is talking about here, guess who is going to shape them? Guess who is going to instruct them? Now, the world or experience, like I said earlier, is a cruel teacher. It's not going to care about your feelings. It's not going to care about your pain. It's not going to care about what all it costs you to learn this lesson. Matter of fact, you might have scars. Matter of fact, you might have things that you live with the rest of your life. Amen? So sometimes, some things you learn through experience, but a lot of times you don't want your child to be taught by somebody who doesn't love them or doesn't care for them. The parent or parents, or guardian, is the first line uh, that they should have. They should have a good experience. I know not all children do. I realize that. I'm speaking in the context from Scripture tonight, but I realize we live in a world full of monsters, full of very evil, uh, very mean people, and the first thing they want to hurt or abuse is somebody that can't defend themselves. I realize that. Trust me, I realize that. I think all of us probably have experience in that or know somebody who's been through something like that. I understand that in a sense that it happens and it's real. And God's not for that, by the way. Uh, God's not going to forget none of that. All of it will be meted out very meticulously at judgment. And trust me, as Christ said when he was on the earth, there's a special place for those type of people. So I'm not about abusing a child or being about that business at all. So here, this, this is good advice. This is wisdom from God. And what he's saying about this child, he said they're an heritage from the Lord, and we need to treat them as such as being stewards of what God has given you, given you and I, uh, whether it's child or grandchildren or whatever have you. But he says in verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So we look at this permissive parent, high in love, low in control. It's, it's not a good thing. And we've said Number one, it requires patience. Number two, it requires shaping. It takes time and it takes diligence to shape a young life. It's not done at Sunday school. It's not done one time a week or two times a week. It's done over a consistent period of time with consistently good values or principles. It takes time. And the number one priority is the parent. Is the parent. All right, so let's get to our third point for tonight. I'm looking, uh, we got plenty of time. Now, I, I said we would go back to Proverbs chapter 4. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, and we'll read the second verse. And I want to say, thirdly, not only does it require patience for this type of godly guidance, not only does it require shaping, you have to be diligent about how to shape, when to shape, but also, thirdly, it requires direction. Uh, you can shape, you can have all the patience, but at the end of the day, you're going to need to give some direction. 
and your child will be looking at direction from their parents. Uh, it's, it's important. Now, let's look at what the Bible has to say. I want to make this point out of verse 2, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 2. Uh, we've already read verse 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. But he says this in verse 2, For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Here, this is direction. This speaks of, look, you, if you're going to forsake instruction from God or from the word of God or from a parent. It's not going to abode well. Uh, you've heard me say this. I'm going to say it again right here. A parent doesn't put all the money and time, the food, the clothes, the patience, taking you places, and then get you up to a certain point, about 15, 16, maybe 17 or 18, and then all of a sudden turn around and give you bad advice for life. You say, well, my parents never took care of me. Never, well, you might have had a horrible parent. Here, we're coming from the point or perspective that we should all be good parents. But a parent's not going to give, all of a sudden give you bad advice. I had some, some illustrations dealing with this, uh, and I thought it was kind of neat. A uh, mother's opinion. A mother's will, will know all about what I'm getting ready to say, and I have some coming to this age, if not already at this age. Uh, I won't name names, but here's how this illustration goes. A four-year-old of age says this about mommy. My mommy can do anything. At eight years of age, my mom knows a whole lot. At 12 years of age, my mother doesn't know really quite everything. At 14 years of age, naturally, they say, mothers doesn't know that either. And then uh, at 16 years of age, possibly around in there, mother is in question mark. Uh, she's hopelessly old-fashioned. All right, at age 18, that old woman, that... She's way out of date. And then by age 25, they're saying, well, she might know a little bit about it. And then by age 35, they say, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. And then by age 45, I wonder what mom would have thought about it. And then by age 65, I wish I could talk it over with mom. Uh, that, that's, that's about how it goes a lot of times, not just the, the child, but dealing with the mother and their relationship. I've heard this, it said, they'll love you, they think you hang the stars, the moon and the stars, but when they hit about 13 or 14, they can't stand you. Uh, now that's a perspective from maybe the world or world's philosophy or culture we live in today. A lot of that's true, I'm not denying that, but the, the home shouldn't be that way. Your relationship shouldn't necessarily be that way. What's going on is you have a struggle with a parent not letting go or allowing the child to develop right. And a lot of times people say, well, I raised my child. You, you shouldn't be raising your children. You should be raising biblical adult how to be good adults or good Christians. Well, I, I didn't even look at raising my kids like that. Uh, my parent, my father would say this, and people would not like it at all. So I raised my children to leave. I wanted to set them up so they can, can run and administer their own family and teach their children how to do it. Not to keep them where they have to be coming back to me. Well, I don't know what to do, Daddy. Well, you need to make some decisions. You get to a certain age, you need to learn that and to develop and to mature. And so my parent, my father would say, I raised them to leave. You say, well, how did that work out? I don't know. He's, we're still together. We're still working together for some odd reason. And uh, maybe that's the case. But nonetheless, a lot of times we get this 
lopsided. Dealing with mothers, I want to give you another statistics, and I'm not big on statistics. What do they say about statistics? About 85% of them are made up. Something like that, I mean, just make up a number. All right, this is from the U.S. Census Bureau, and this is what it says. There were about 5.6 million stay-at-home mothers in 2006. So this is when it's going back to. This is what they said in the census. Somewhere between 61% and 81% of children under the age of six eat breakfast and dinner with their mother every single day. Uh, that just kind of lays a lot out of how important a mother is. Uh, and I'm saying there's fathers probably in that mix, but it didn't speak to that. But uh, it, they're very important. A parent is very important. They have a lot of responsibility. And so you have some children, you realize that. But let's get to this last point, and we'll get to this third type of uh, parenting. I'm running out of time. We're saying thirdly, out of Proverbs 4.2, that uh, this, they require direction. You need to know direction. It's good to give them some direction, not just set things or parameters, and there's no reason why. You might get away with that when they're five or six or seven or eight. But, man, when they start to get nine, ten, eleven, you're going to need to, to explain yourself a little bit because here's what happens they get that age and you say well you just do it because I say that isn't going to fly very well number one you're doing two things you're teaching that child that's how you from authority just hey you just do it imagine that at 25 or 26 when they come across a law enforcement and he tells them to get out of the car or gives them a simple command and they want to take off running or pull a gun or do something really crazy it's taught in the home So when they get a certain age, you want to say, hey, this is the reason why I don't want you doing this, or this is the reason why I want you to do that. Might not be right. I remember my father saying, this might not be the best way, but for right now, this is the way we have. And so this is is why we're going to do it that way. You You might be a little smarter as you get older, and you might see a better way. Uh, I remember that many times. Uh, when I was little, now I was like, you know, you just need to sit down and behave. But as we got older, there was some more meaning to it. You need direction. So you just do it because I'm your father or I'm your mother. Well, that is only going to go so high. And then you're going to see the same type of attitude in you in them just at their level. And you're like, what is wrong with my child? You're teaching it to them. <laughs> you're teaching it to them. So we, we, we want to be mindful. Uh, here, uh, let's deal with the third one, authoritarian parent. Authoritarian parent. This type of parent is, is defined or described in low in love and high in control. I'm going to use Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 is a, is a verse that will fit a lot of areas, and I'm, you, you hear me using it quite a bit, and it speaks to this. I'm going to flip over there. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so we see here that authoritarian parent. You say, well, do you believe in authority? I'm going to show you the fourth parent here in a minute. But authoritarian parent, that's somebody who's just more concerned with a rule or a law, low in love and high in control. And then this parent, type of parent, uh, this goes out and their child goes crazy. And people say, well, they were raised in a good home. They had all those rules. Yeah? Just because you have rules doesn't make good, good kids. If it was an authoritarian type situation, and most of them are, by the way, so you got a child that as soon as it it smells freedom, it's gone because it doesn't want no part of that. And guess what? That child raises up a child. 
the child that was in the authoritarian situation, and there's no authority, no lines, no direction, no shaping, and they'll look back at their mom and dad and say, I don't want whatever it takes, I don't want to be like that. And the parents left with all those years, like, what did I do wrong? I had the rules, I love God's word, and I, I used the word. Yeah, you used it in a way, and you used it in the wrong way. You can use truth in the wrong way. And the whole time justifying what you're doing by saying, but it's right. Listen, I know how the snow, snow blows on this. Authoritarian parent, low in love, high in control. Let me deal with the fourth one. We'll close with this. Um, so Ephesians 6, 4 defines this authoritarian parent. But there's another one, and I'm going to have you go to Psalms. If you want to go over to Psalms 103. Psalms 103 kind of helps us with this last parent. Now this one, not authoritarian, but authoritative. Authoritative parent is high in love, in high in control, Psalms 103, and notice what the Bible says in verse, uh, well, let's look at verse 8 in the verse 13. Verse 13 is kind of where we'll land on it, but look at verse 8 as well. Notice who the example is, and Christ should always be your example. If you say, well, I don't know what type of parenting I should be like. Well, what is Christ like? What do you know about Christ and his relationship with his children? Amen. All right, so watch verse 8. I'm in Psalms 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. I remember a prophet, Prophet Jonah, kind of said something like that in his prayer in, in uh, Jonah chapter 4, Jonah chapter 3. Now look at verse 13, and we're talking about authoritative parents. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. So there is an authoritative parent. This parent is high in love and high in control. Let me expound. Authoritative parenting that maintains a balance of committed love and caring control gives children a picture of their heavenly father. That's who you're representing. And it creates a hunger in their hearts to know him. Every child wants a good father that loves them, that takes care of them. And, and if, the, if the authority part is correct and balanced, you're going to have a good father as our heavenly father is. Uh, I, I tell my children, now look, the authority is good, but human authority can be flawed. And you're going to see many cases, many of this through your life. But it's, it's not to give you an excuse to do away with human authority. But a lot of times, human authority messes it up and gets it wrong. You see it abused, you just, read, just watch the news, and you'll see it. And it's sad because it undermines what God set up as authority. And so most people, listen to me, most people, most children, uh, grow up in a wrong type or in wrong environment where authority is abused. And you see them represent that in their life, and so on and so forth. And uh, so we see here, let me, let me explain this. So this picture, you want to give them a good picture of, of, of your Heavenly Father. My heart and desire for our child, children as they, as they come in, into the world, come into our life and our family was, God, help me to teach them to love you more than anything. I wasn't worried about their education. I was concerned that they were healthy. But most importantly, that I would teach them to love God. That's the most important thing that we could do as a parent. You know you're going to flaw. You know you're going to mess up. Uh, I understand all that. But the most important thing you can do is represent your heavenly father in a 
possibly as good as light as you can. Because when they think of God, they have, they have good thoughts. They have correct thoughts towards God, realizing man can be flawed and understand that. Uh, so here we see this. I want to say this, this. I call this rooftop the rooftop of authority is it's vital for the protection and growth of, of a child. Uh, we think of the preschool age. Child needs to learn the freedom of submission and obedience. Said that carefully. In the elementary age, a child, uh, you see the exact nature of the boundaries change about elementary, but they still need a mom and dad willing to hold the line. But it won't be like their preschool years. It's going to be different. You're going to see a change quickly. Children are not, they're not, they're very, they're very smart. And even, even as babies, you'll notice they pick up on things very quickly. Let me say this, um, teenage years, they need biblical authority. Not necessarily just mom and dad authority, but there's going to be other authorities that they should be introduced to, that they need to be mindful of. One of them would be biblical authority that needs to be taught. That's shaping that needs patience to do that, and it will need direction. And they need to know what's expected. It's one thing to have a teenage person and not, you know, when you're, I remember being a teenager, I just, you know, something about dad and mom just wasn't flying or wasn't gelling. I still lived in the home, still eat their food, still great parents. But when I reflect on it, I was like, what was wrong with me? You know, you're going through that, those years, those teen years, and, you, and you, you're like, what is going on? Well, there needs to be some expectation out of that teen. They still need it. You think, well, they're grown up. They kind of know. They still need that mom and dad. Like, hey, this is what we're expecting. This is where you need to get to. Uh, and let, let's get there. Let's have some ex expectedness here uh, where you need to be, what you need to be working on. They also, they will need their parents to define boundaries clearly and the reasons behind the boundaries. Uh, when I grew up in my home, there was always a reason, a biblical reason. And it was always stated, this might not be the best biblical reason. It wasn't, it wasn't like, this is it, and if nobody else is doing that way, everybody else is wrong, and this is right. The Bible's right. God's right. But here's the best light I have as a parent. This is what we're laid out. This is why we're doing it this way. When you become a parent, you might do it totally different, and you have that prerogative. I remember <laughs> my father, both my father and mother would say, well, we'll just wait and see when they have kids, and they're about 25 years old, and we'll see how it turns out. They would always say, proof's in the pudding. How's that, work? How's that working for you? And not, not in a mean way, but hey, I might not know everything. And so my parents never come from the table like, hey, uh, we know everything. This is perfectly how it's done. No, they'll tell you, man, I made so many mistakes, I'm embarrassed to even think about it. And so that's parenting. But teen, teenage years is very important. They need to know the reason why you have boundaries. Why, why don't you want them on a device or why don't you want them out with a particular type of person or a particular type of friend or out in a, in a particular certain amount of time or maybe over in a place where they really, you really don't want them? Don't just say don't be there. You might have to explain yourself, here's the reason why. Here's the concern. Here's the fear. Think with me. Just process this through. Hopefully you've brought them up to that point where they're listening to what you're saying. And so it's important, very important to have the guidance of a God in a godly home. Let's all stand this evening. As parents or grandparents, it's going to need patience. That position that you have, that you hold, it's going to take a lot of patience. In areas where you don't want to give patience to. Sometimes we want to quickly give a word or a thought or maybe advice. And sometimes it's patience and prayer. 
and then shaping, seeing the opportunities in either the child or the, or the grandchild to where you can shape their heart, their heart and their conscience early. Any opportunity you can give to speak good of God, to speak good of his word or good of his people is very important. If they constantly hear you running another brother or sister down or they constantly hear you talking about, well, the Bible's not quite right and these people, and you run it down, all that sticks in their mind, in their heart. Very important. And then direction. Say, well, I don't even have direction in my life. Your child's going to need some direction. Whether you have it together or not, it's going to need some direction. That direction you can get from God, from God's word, from God's people. So tonight, we do have a job as grandparents, great-grandparents, or parents ourselves. When it comes to a house that doesn't need to be divided and doesn't have to be divided, so it can stand in the dark day that we live in. Brother Jeff. Number 10. 